Hi, I'm Anthony Mindel. Welcome to In The Moment, a podcast on acting, art, and life. In this series, I'm talking to AMAW alumni, students, and clients about the challenges of acting and the joys of creating in the 21st century. For more information, go to anthonymindel.com, or you can also find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. I hope you enjoy. In today's episode, Tony talks to Chris Salvatore about his career as an actor and musician. He talks about his experience being pigeonholed as a gay actor and how much perceptions and opportunities around gay and marginalized actors have changed in the last 10 years. This podcast is a great reminder to own who you are. Welcome to In The Moment Podcast. See how I put on my like voiceover voice. <laughs> Um, and I want to welcome today's guest, Chris Salvatore. This is where I push the button and everything. Oh, you have a clap sound. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. Great. I make the engineers do that. Yes. Um, shout out to Taryn and Candace and Jen, who help put this together every week. Um, so hi. Hi. Welcome. Thanks You've for having me. You've done podcasts before. I've, d- I've done, done a podcast yes. before, yeah. Do you have your own podcast nowadays? Everybody has. No, I, d- I don't. A I blog, don't. podcast, book. But I think it's great what you're doing. Well, I'm just trying to like, um, you know, first this whole first year or last year and not this year has been, you know, interviewing actors from the school, but also like so different, like everybody, everybody's story obviously is different, but also like, you know, I've interviewed a couple and what's that like, or an Asian American actor, or mm-hmm. what's it like to be a black actor in Hollywood today mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. So I'm just trying to like offer many different perspectives into That's the industry, great. you know what I mean? Yeah. So, we'll tell. Let's okay. Let's tell our listeners. Like you're like a multi hyphenate because you do lots of things. <laughs> do I? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Are you like all of them badly? No. Um, no, because you're like you sing. You're you play the instrument too, right? I play a little bit of keyboard. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you're. Yeah. Underselling yourself. You act, you're an entrepreneur, you write, you create stuff. Mm-hmm. So tell it's us a little bit. the journey. Yeah. Well, and then you, kind of your claim to fame was the Eating Out series. Right. 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 You're, you're Those like, things. <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of like, people are going to Google Eating Out. I know. So how old were you then? Oh, gosh. Um, I think I was 24. And it was, it and was, yeah, the first one that I did, which was Eating Out 3, because there's five in the whole in the series. series. So okay. I started at Eating Out 3, and it was right when I was moving to L.A. I was actually not even cast yet. They were like, we need to see you in person to, to know, so can you be here? And this was like when I was kind of transitioning from New York to L.A., to and I was okay. like, all right, drive across country. And then I ended up getting the part, and then I just stayed, and then... They made two more, so I, I kind of had, like, you know, work for the first couple of years that I was here doing those, which was great. Yeah. Um, and then when it stopped was was where, <laughs> was where the, now what? the hard part came in. Yeah. yeah. Well, you also became kind of like a poster boy for, like, the hottie. The hottie. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure you got fan-stalked, fangirled by all the people who were, like... You know what? Like, the Eating Out um, fans, uh, I think even still today, because they're still on, I guess, streaming Different services formats, somewhere. Yeah. Um, but back then, when, we, when they were, you know, popping them out, 
they there was like a really big cult following, and uh-huh. they were very um, excited about you know the newcomers coming in um, to the new movies and stuff. So yeah, I felt I felt very popular for those first couple of years. <laughs> Um, so it was weird for me because that was the first really real kind of acting that I've done before. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I've done little things here and there, but that was like kind of something on a, on a grander scale. And, you know, the eating out movies are, are independently made and, and they're not huge films, but they did have a really large cult following, which was really cool. Um, so it gave me a platform to kind of do my music and and the film started using my music in the soundtrack oh, so cool. it kind of okay, created more of a fan base for me which was which was really exciting uh-huh. and, and and great first coming to LA so know? were you doing theater in New York or were you like I wasn't doing theater I went to actually a, a film acting school oh, uh-huh. um, so yeah I, I did some theater but but my my main priority when I was in New York was um, was just on camera acting and learning that sort of the technique of of you know being on, on camera, camera and yeah you know still <laughs> <laughs> yes full but still yeah like sometimes you know I always like I'm like ah like a lot of times I don't know about this program we're talking about but a lot of times like you know film at like on camera classes do teach stillness and it is about stillness but at the expense or um, without yet first getting the actor fully invested in all right. of who they are you know what I mean right. so then stillness really kind of can read completely dead right. and zombified if the person isn't as electric and alive as you are like right now you know what right. I mean that sometimes is the misnomer about on camera right you know and also I think now two Chris has like changed so much because filmmaking is so fluid and like it's just kind of like if we're, right now if we were at a coffee shop they mm-hmm. would put the camera and capture us like we are right now like yeah. you know what I mean a wide shot and like yeah. you know a two shot with us mm-hmm. talking and having so I'm always saying like do it the way you would do it in real life mm-hmm. and then you're already kind of pretty much ready for film yeah you know and then if there's an extreme close-up or something then obviously it's that's stillness and thinking right you know I came from before I I moved to New York I the only acting I ever did was in theater like in in school okay. so it was so very it was like big a, yeah like that's what they, we were taught yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. to be theatrical to reach the person all the way in the back oh, yeah. and and just normally me as a per- yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> normally me as a person I I didn't grow up that way I was I you know I was more kind of inward I went inward a lot and, and yeah so, you're kind of shy yeah, yeah I was very shy growing up so then when I was taught that and then to go to an actual school where we're learning you know to be on camera it was kind of this whole kind of shift back to what naturally feels uh-huh. right for me uh-huh. anyway yeah so it was interesting but um yeah it was I went to the New York Conservatory for Dramatic Arts at okay. the time it was called the School for Film and Television but they have right. changed the name since but okay. yeah, it was a great program and I learned a lot and it's kind of what got my feet wet and in, in everything and and to come yeah. out here yeah yeah so then after you shot that, like, so when did you, were you always doing music as well in addition to that? I was. I actually started out doing music before I even kind of dabbled in the acting. Um, but it wasn't until the Eating Out films where I was like, wow, like, 
this is kind of what feels right. And mm-hmm. it was just really cool that they decided to as well use my own music. So it was kind of like I was doing both at the same time, which was a dream come true. Yeah, of course. And getting um, paid for it. Yeah, and getting yeah. paid for it. So it was great. But um, yeah, music was my first love. And in elementary school, I remember being in the choir during the set changes in all the plays. You know, they would have the choir stand up right. on the side and sing a few songs while they were changing the set. So that's kind of where I started. And then I was like, well, I kind of want to be on stage uh-huh. with all them. And so it kind of, you know, it was a process. But uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they both, I mean, I think nowadays so many actors are dancers, are musicians, yeah. are, you know what I mean? Like it all feeds into, yeah. um, or people start acting first and then they parlay an acting career into a music career. Mm-hmm. Like, it's interesting, right? Like, yeah. It didn't used to be like that 20 yeah. some years ago. I mean, look at Lady Gaga. It's incredible. I mean, yeah. I mean, that is, like, an extreme example yeah. of, like, right? It's the, like, the apex of, like, being yeah. at the top in the music industry and then look at, like, just switching over. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess Hollywood has always had people who represent that uh, sort of duality of them both but like I feel, I find like especially with young people like look at Haley Steinfeld and mm-hmm. like you know there's a lot of I, mean, I can't think of other people right now but like there's a lot of young actors who are doing them both right mm-hmm. like not at Lady Gaga's level let's say but like right you know so um well so now what's the journey been since then so then the, that series ended and you're like okay now what <laughs> or yeah um Definitely. And for, for a while there, I kind of felt like, oh, shoot, like, did I make a mistake by, by being in a movie that, you know, had a very, uh, like, niche kind of, you know, the gay kind of niche market? Yeah. I, I was, like, being told, oh, well, now you're going to be pigeonholed in, into this actor who only does... Gay Gay movies, and and I remember at that time, like, it's almost 10 years ago now, I remember people were so, like, crazy about being like, oh, you you can't come out of the closet, you can't be gay, you can't, yeah, and it was just, just created so much anxiety, and, um, you know, I started to really believe it, and, and, and maybe even far as far as to actually see it playing out uh-huh. where I felt like wow like people do only know me because of these eating out movies and and they don't want to consider me for anything else you know my name comes up on on something and they're like oh he just does he's gay the gay movies yeah. he's the gay mm-hmm. actor who does that um and you know I was always open about my sexuality so it was never where I had to like come out as an actor, mm-hmm. as a gay actor. Mm-hmm. So um, I felt like it did. It did kind of. Um, I guess for some people, they 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 chose not to go in the direction of that. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like it's changed completely. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you're mentioning yeah. ten years, even in, yeah. you know ten years or even five years, right? Yeah. But certainly when I first started teaching. And I always found it interesting when I started teaching and I would 
have a guy that I, I knew must be gay, but I wouldn't out people or anything like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I could see how in their work they were compensating for the perception that they would read gay so that they would try to put something more like alpha on, but it read as completely false. Um, I totally can... You can relate. Relate yeah. to that. I mean, you didn't have that issue by the time you were in class because it's been, you know, a few years and it's a couple years ago and it's been, it's a different time. But yeah. like, that used to be a big problem for me. I have yeah. a guy who's out, I mean, I don't want to out him because, but I think he's completely out now and like, um, has gotten really free from it and he works all the time. He's on a series, but he, you know, has kind of apologized because he was like, I just... I knew you could tell that I was gay, but you didn't say anything, but I, and I wasn't even quite sure that I was, but I knew that I was, and he's like, and he used to fight me like a mother, because the things that I was trying to get him to do Mm -hmm. in class were him meeting that true part of himself, you know what I mean? And then as soon as he did in his life, he started to work, Mm. you know what I mean? So that to me is also like, it's interesting talking to other gay artists, because like, I think it's like a a rite of passage for gay men. Yeah. Women, I don't think have it as much because women, there's not the stigma attached, Mm -hmm. you know, to quote unquote queer female artists Mm -hmm. because they're allowed to be more fluid. And even though it's starting to change, you know, for gay men, they're still, it's still intimidating, threatening, I think to straight white dudes. Right. You know what I mean? Because of those narratives, like, well, we, we grew up with them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's probably not a false perception you had about how you, your career got limited in a way. Yeah, I mean, basically the only things I did for a few years were were those type that of kind movies. Of uh-huh. Yeah. Um, which, like, it didn't bother me. Um, I was grateful to work and, you know be getting paid to do something that I really love. Um, but it just, it just kind of just didn't sit with me very well. And, and, um, just, it hurts to yeah. like feel like something that is so authentically you could limit, you know, you doing things that you, you love. Well, so, yeah, your artistry comes from who you are. Yeah. And so the business is kind of telling you, we don't want you to be who you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or even, you know, I didn't necessarily, I don't, I'm curious what your stance on this is, is I didn't have as much of a reaction to this, but like how, like for a lot of the movies that were nominated, like the gay characters were being played by straight people like Rami Malek. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I get it if it's homophobic and, but I'm wondering to me, I'm, Again, I always just feel like, as a gay man and working with actors and in the business, I was just like, whoever's the best for the role, like, it shouldn't be about. But I know that that's not how corporates work, you know, corporations. But what is your thought about it? Like, I thought he was amazing in it, so who cares? But if they, if there was an amazing gay guy who they didn't cast because he's gay, then it's a different thing. You know what I mean? I think, for me, and and kind of my stance has... um, Evolved uh-huh. when you know people started talking about this. It was it felt like very recent too, where it started to become this big thing where people were, were talking about it all all over social media, and and even I'm you know adding to the conversation with my own thoughts and and I think 
like we were talking about 10 years ago, it was really different. And I think there was such a stigma and a lot of gay actors who were openly, you know, out of the closet, you know, if a casting director or, you know, corporate executive producers knew that they were gay, like they weren't even bringing them in the room to audition for, for a straight role. So I think that part in me, um, just because I was kind of wired that That way way. 10 years ago, when I, when I started to see people kind of having a conversation and a dialogue about it, I did feel very strongly about, yeah, we should be casting, um, gay out gay actors as gay roles, um, for a couple different reasons, but then it kind of shifted into what you had just said, like, you know, if, if you're really right for the part, then, then you should get the role. But at the same time, I was thinking about this the other day too. It's like, is that really how casting is, is done nowadays? Mm-hmm. It's like the best actor gets the role. It's like, not really. Well, it's, no. it's, you know, well, it's, but that to me is a, is a good question because that to me, a, it's not a meritocracy, right? But B, but that's also goes beyond like, um, uh, sex or gender lines, right? Because like they, let's say you're gay and I'm gay, or let's say we're both straight guys and we're both up for the same role. They may just choose the one who's got the most heat or the most so it's exactly. subjective anyway. Yeah. Or I'm like, I have 80 million followers right. and you have 10, you right. know I mean? Or I've had five movies that have been huge hits and you've had two, you know what I mean? Right. Like there's so many metrics. This is the thing about actors that, I know it's so hard for creatives, but like half the time that they're getting denied for something has nothing to do with the talent. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, and, you know, people who don't know much about casting or, or, you know, the, the industry, you know, they, I, 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 cause I did tweet, I was like, it was something Disney was doing. It was like, uh, the rock they're doing, um, okay. the jungle cruise or whatever. And, okay. and one of the actors, um, is gay in the movie or one of the par- characters, characters is, gay, is gay and then they casted the straight the straight comedian and uh-huh. and I tweeted you know it should have went to to a gay guy and it ended up on like some sort of blog site I think it was a conservative blog site Uh-oh. so then I got all these like you <laughs> oh, know no. right wings you know okay. people just just bashing me on Twitter and saying you know no it should be it should be the best actor, the best person for the role. But, but when you think about it, like these people don't have any idea of how casting even works. Um, so to just say that as their kind of excuse or, or their, their reasoning, it's not thoughtful. Um, and then I, like I said, my, my opinion kind of evolved as I dealt with my own stuff Mm -hmm. because I had to kind of, ask myself, well, why do I think that? And it's, it stemmed from 10 years ago about people telling me like, oh, you can't come out of the closet. Mm -hmm. You can't come out of the closet because you won't get any parts. And like, that's ingrained in my head. So I did that kind of work with myself and my, my view has, has evolved. And I feel like, yeah, like as long as they're really, they're really trying to bring people in the room and give gay actors a fair shot to get these roles, then at the end of the day, like we can't really fault you know, the company or, or, um, the casting director, if they go another route. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will say, I think, 
there is a really um, cool thing that could happen if they did decide to cast a gay actor for a gay role because it's just giving more visibility to someone who might have not had that platform before and I feel like people people need to see because you know as society we're so influenced by you know the entertainment industry and and what we see on magazine covers and and in movies so I just think about like really young gay kids who who don't have any role models models, and and they go to a movie and they see this gay this gay character but then come to find out you know they fall in love with this gay character on screen and they come to find out that he's He's not not gay gay. in real life and it's interesting so it's like they have an opportunity to to um to really kind of display an important message right but i mean like we said like casting there's so many different variables it's like we can't just pick one thing that's gonna work you know it it just has to kind of all kind of come together and well it's also like you know sometimes because when you think about the art of acting anyway it's like the, the the exploration of the actor to play a role I mean isn't just defined by the the role's sexual preference so like when I'm thinking about um uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and maybe because again as a gay man or, or whatever I like I didn't I didn't I wasn't watching that role or that movie and him in that role as as Freddie Mercury as just as a gay guy it's right. like it, it was incidental to me I mean I know that was part of the storyline but but actually how they handled it also is another point is like it wasn't that gay do you right. know what I mean? So that's interesting. I mean, that's a whole other argument, maybe, one we can right. make. Like, it didn't yeah. really explore that part of himself, mm-hmm. except maybe toward the end, right? But, like, my thing was, is, like, well, his queer identity made him who he was, and so that's part of it. But it's also just his journey as an artist and as a musician and as, you know, as a Pakistanian. And, mm-hmm. right, so, I, I don't know. I just, I find it, it sometimes blurs for me. You know, like we, we offer, uh, we're partnered with Outfest now and doing, you know, I don't know if you know, we're offering trans, we have five trans scholarships oh, how great. to come to the school, right? Now, see, that to me is something different because that that's like, that to me correlates in a way with like, uh, I mean, the challenge for me in thinking about trans actors or this, the sadness about it is, well, thank God now that we're starting to see trans mm-hmm characters being represented in film and TV. Mm-hmm. But if there used to be those opportunities and there were very few, trans there were there probably were trans actors, but talk about no opportunities. Nobody yeah. was gonna really hire a trans actor to play a trans role, how rarely they would even be available. Mm-hmm. You know? So I guess I don't know, I think as we all evolve culturally and like consciously it's sort of like well I think as gay men and women or anybody who's not white I'm always saying you know not white bashing because I'm white right but like when we're other you can see the world beyond just race or sexual preference or you know sexual body parts or you know what I mean so to me it's just sort of like I don't know I think that's the exploration of being an artist of like stepping into being able to play all roles. That's why we want to act, right? No, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I just, 
like kind of like you said with with tran- the transgender um, roles and stuff. It's like well, that was once happening with gay roles and or still is. Yeah, um, can't really say for sure because I'm not in the in every room or yeah, yeah. you know. Um, so there there is an there is an argument and there's there's a fair argument on both, sides. both sides. I see it, yeah. you know, yeah. but um, until we get to a point where we don't look at each other and see race, sexual, sexuality, yeah. you know, That's then, right. you know, the, the, le- the playing field is level and um, we don't have to worry about that. But I still think there, there are places in this country and especially around the world that, you know, there are very few uh, role models for people who are, you know, underrepresented in the entertainment industry. Right. No, I agree. I like, I'm, I just finished another book and it's like little uh, short stories about my life growing up and it's really kind of a gay coming out fantasy in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I think it's universal, but they're very, I mean, I was gay and I grew up right. in the Midwest, you know what I mean? It was like, it's like living in Transylvania, you know what I mean? Um, to any of my listeners from Transylvania, I'm sure it's a lovely place, but for me, <laughs> you know, growing up in, in mid, the Midwest in the 80s, as a little gay boy, like there were zero gay people. Elton John, and he he didn't get outed, uh, but he he outed himself first as a bisexual, mm-hmm. which maybe he was at that time, and then maybe right. it became something else. But that was in 1978, so I was like 10 years old, and even that, you know. And then later on, which always makes me cry, but I talk about it in the book, is. I wouldn't even call him a gay role model, but the only other identification I had of like somebody gay was Rock Hudson. And Rock Hudson was outed in the early, like 1981 because he had been diagnosed with AIDS. Mm. So imagine as like a developing kid, there's, you don't see anybody like you. And then Hollywood is represented by, you know, somebody who's, not fully gay, they're bisexual, whatever that word meant to me, mm-hmm. and then people who are dying of the gay plague, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's really difficult for, I think, I can only speak for myself, but I would think men of my generation. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's, it's like every, it's like, we evolve every, you know, it's like every generation. 20 years, yeah. 30 years, I know. Yeah, which is exciting know? because at least we are evolving. evolving. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it, it does take, you know, people walking in the shoes of that time to get us to another, mm-hmm. you know, level. You know, that is how hopefully we just keep moving forward. Yeah. You know, so it, the time that we're living in sometimes, like, it makes us feel like we're going backwards. But, you know, I actually feel like what's exciting about the time that we're living in is there's such a reaction to government and mm-hmm. you know policies and I'm trying not to say the Trump word but you right. know what I mean but what that represents and so that is bringing the inequalities forward I think in a, yeah. in a way that's really turbulent and exciting yeah it's definitely like sped it up yeah for sure you know we're talking about things that you know like even I don't know if you saw the Michael Jackson um, I didn't see I didn't see it but I've, I've seen all the conversation about Ooh, it I mean it was really intense and really painful and But then what I thought was also maybe even more incredible was after the second part, Oprah Winfrey did this like town hall. Uh, It was so powerful, Chris, where she had like, so she had the the two guys who 
were victims or alleged victims. Right. But, I mean, to me, it seems obvious that they were molested by him and the filmmaker on the panel. And then in the audience, I think there were like 100 or 200 adults who were victims of sexual child sexual abuse when they were kids, right? Mm -hmm. And the conversation she was having about it was so powerful and so forward thinking in terms of, again, not making somebody like Michael Jackson a pariah or evil. Mm -hmm. And I actually think the documentary does that too about like, that how do you hold both that that somebody can be a brilliant artist or a brilliant friend or an amazing creator or beautiful husband but then also be something that's you know criminal or you know destructive or you know so I, I, I find and that's to me is the root of empathy is that of course we don't condone actions that destroy other people right and yet also seeing like what happened to him that made him do those things? Right. You know? And that's kind of, to me, what I think she's holding space for. Mm-hmm. And also, like, how do we... How do, pe- how do these people get treated? Or how do these people... You know what I mean? If we live in a culture of shame, which is really what our culture is about, mm-hmm. I think, is that this is how these practices go underground and keep getting perpetrated Mm -hmm. because there's no outlet for people to talk about, Oh, I have these weird fantasies or I have these weird compulsions or I have, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It sort of feeds into the thing that can't be talked about. Yeah. Just swept under the rug. There's so much shame about it. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. It's really fascinating for me as I get older, it's like unraveling all the shame I have around just who I am, Mm -hmm. like as a gay man. Yeah, but but people have shame around being a woman or being an artist or being black or being you know what I mean. It's like to me, it's also collective shame or cultural yeah. shame or familial shame. And so I guess my point is, is sorry, I just went off on something, but like I think it's I do think we're living in a time where we're able to talk about things that are more uncomfortable, and still some people don't want to have those conversations. But I just thought it was so amazing, you know. Well, I, I have yeah, to you should watch that. Yeah. Even if you don't watch a documentary, you can watch that part on HBO. And just being so candid about it. Because, yeah. you know, Oprah herself was a victim of uh, right. child abuse, of sexual abuse. Right. You know? And you can see... I don't know. It's just really... So that, to me, makes me excited about artists talking about these things and about what the purpose of art is and our own struggles with, um, you know, sort of the the prejudices everybody faces in the business, you know, it's interesting. I just want to go back to the thing that the point you made is it's so, so true though about, right? Like in this business, if you think about it, everybody is being subjectively sort of biased against, you know, I'm always saying, I mean, I may have said this to you in class, like if you're really handsome or really beautiful, there is a bias that you can't act or you're look at, look at, look at what the, the Weinstein case, like beautiful women are objectified. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't think anybody gets through it without some sort of, oh God. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's seeing it through the other person's That's right. eyes That's right. that is lacking in society, which is empathy. That's empathy. So you know. This is what I love about This is what I love about the podcast. It's like, we're not just talking about what was your objective in that scene? <laughs> 
when you ask the guy out and eating out. You know what I mean? Like, we talk about, like, I always talk with my guests about really interesting things. But I always felt like, you know, being in your class and and listening to you teach and speak, it wasn't, it, I never really felt like it was about Acting. the objective. Yeah, yeah. Or, no, it's not about you know, that. You're, so that was what was always so um, incredible to me to watch is, is, is more than an acting class. Yeah. It's really about you yeah. and who you are and your authentic self coming through and, and dealing with you know, stuff deeper than just what's on a page and, and what your, you know, intention is. So mm-hmm. I think that is, is extremely important in the arts, whether it be, you know, music or acting or dancing or anything, you know? Well, I always say that is the art, right? Like you are the art. Yeah. And if you were a painter, you, as the art is, is splayed all over the canvas. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Or Lady Gaga's music is, that's, her art stamped through musical chords. It's like, mm-hmm. that's the thing I think, I think also people are starting to get, you know, mm-hmm. that we may play characters or we may sing a different kind of song or style, but it's still, it's us through as a channel, through something, you know? Right. It's, it's really personal. It really is. Yeah. It becomes that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's just talk really briefly too, because I don't know what time we're at, but Oh yeah, we've been talking for a while about stuff. That was really cool. But I wanted just because I think this is, and I I met it was Norma, right? Norma, not Norma. So I just let's just talk about that, and then we'll wrap it up. Because I think it's such an interesting, beautiful. Because I met her. So, oh my goodness! So I'm you so, had, that makes me so I happy know, that you got like to got her. to meet her. Yeah. Um, so you had a neighbor. Yes. Tell and what's what's come out of that. Um, so yeah, for anyone listening who doesn't know the story, I, I had a neighbor, um, I moved into this apartment complex. She had been there for, you know, 35 plus years. I had just moved in. I met her. She had no family of her own. Um, she had leukemia. She was, she was 84 well, she was when I met sick. her. Yeah. Okay. So Whoa. she was very frail and, and she was ill. Uh-huh. Um, and just over the course of our five year relationship, um, we became very, very, very close. Um, and I just kind of saw, I watched the decline of her health and, you know, within the last few years, she really needed a lot of help, which she wasn't really getting. Um, you know, she kept falling and and ending up in the hospital. And, and so I kind of stepped in a little bit more than I ever thought that I would, Mm -hmm. but then I just kind of, you know, became so attached where it just, it just became this incredible relationship. Um, she ended up passing away, but before she passed away, um, I moved her into my apartment well, to take care of her for oh the last two months of her life. Oh my gosh. She was on hospice. She was bedridden. Um, and I just <sighs> felt it was my you duty. It. it was my calling. Like I was being called to do that. Oh my God. Um, but the incredible thing about it is that it, it was, first of all, it was a huge lesson about being present Mm -hmm. because when you're around someone who is at the end of their life, Mm -hmm. you know, it's time almost stops. Uh Uh Um, but just the, 
the gifts that she had given me in our time together and now it's been two years since her death mm. our time apart you know I, I feel like my world kind of flipped um, where I feel like a completely different person I feel like I am not as caught up with these frivolous things that sometimes artists get caught up in yeah. in their head and yeah. you know um, so that that was a huge a huge gift and, and the really cool thing about it is now the story is being written into a television show I love it so you know I, I get to are you of, co-writing it or are you like kind of I'm involved create, you're like yeah. the creator of it but somebody else is writing it. yeah, yeah yes okay. um but it's really cool that I get to share that story and, and her story and um, just hope to inspire other people to be more empathetic to mm -hmm. people who are unlike them. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you know, <laughs> on paper and, you know, <laughs> image-wise, we're, you know, Completely, opposite, yeah, yeah. complete opposites. And, and I think that the world and certainly the country at this time needs to um, be able to understand that even though we might be different, that there's a lot that, there's way more that, that we have in common. Well, you weren't scared to connect. Exactly. You know, especially death scares people or yeah. elderly in Hollywood, especially, you know what I mean? Like aging scares people yeah. or seeing people frail or, you know, we just, or the homeless, like mm -hmm. they're just, they're phantom people. They don't really exist. They're yeah. not like us. You know what I mean? And, the your ability to like oh who are you and and then and I love also like for me what I'm always trying and I have to keep being reminded of is like you know beyond the the remuneration one gets for like acting or writing or being in the business like also artistry comes out of the surprises of being open mm -hmm. like if you're if you're living your life as an artist you're open to other ways of creating art that can't ever come to you. you. You would never have imagined when you first met her and you're like, oh, hi, Norma, I'm your, I'm Chris. I live in apartment 2B. And if you ever need anything, let me know. And then from there, not only just what happened to you personally, but now you have creative stories yeah. that you want to share. And you're discovering that you have those those abilities to tell those stories, mm -hmm. even if you aren't even directly writing it, yeah. but that you're the channel for... Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's and, real creativity. And that's like, that's why I love being an artist and I love other artists is because I feel like we have this magical ability, almost like this superpower yeah. to, to kind of be open yeah. and, and, you know, be able to have the space to, to even connect to someone like that. Yeah. You know, otherwise I don't think I would have been as receptive. Yeah. To, yeah. I'm yeah. always saying Everybody in Congress should take my acting class. Really <laughs> We've joked that we I should go to Congress. Oh my god! Just take a camera and just go and knock on a congressman or woman's door and be like, "Hey, I'm Anthony Mindel. You're going to take a workshop with me." You really need to do that. that would be really kind. We of would be way better off. <laughs> Can you imagine the empathy? Yes. I know it's. Crazy. I'm telling you. I know. 
It's really crazy. Yeah. Okay, Chris, let's do the speed round because we've just we could talk forever. Okay. It's really simple. I'm just gonna ask you questions. Okay. It's like Oprah. I'm okay. having this off of Oprah. She's like my spirit animal. Okay. Um, okay. If you weren't an actor, what would you be? Uh, a nurse. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite film of all time, or just what's a favorite film? Oh gosh. Well, the film that that made me kind of want to get into, into acting, uh-huh. and, and some people might laugh at this, but it, it's true. Jurassic Park. No, I get it. That was the film that it was, was so like epic. I when you're a young. It's kid, so right? magical. Yeah, like, it's magical. The original, so magical. Yeah. And I was like, I. That's <laughs> what I want to do. I um, had that experience watching King Kong in wow. 1976. Yeah. I was like eight years old. See, same kind yeah. of. Uh, what's one thing you can't do without? Oh, goodness. My dog, Bobby. Aww. Who's your celebrity crush? Uh, Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> How would you describe acting in one word? Uh, visceral. Oh, that's a good word. And what's a takeaway you had uh, being at the school? Wow. I think the most... What did we teach you? I think, yeah, I think the most... You taught me so much. Um, I'll go on. The most important thing that I think that I learned was the ability to be comfortable being uncomfortable was something that you can take anywhere. anywhere. Cool. That's a big tenet of the work. And then the last question is, what's your definition of love? Wow. Um, what is love? To me, love is an essence of being where all things are in perfect harmony and balance in all that is good. Ooh, he just got deep, people. Did y'all hear that? <laughs> Okay, next stop, Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) (laughs) Balance of all that is... Wait, the harmony of all that is balancing good, is that what you said? See, sometimes it just comes out and you don't know it. What did I say? Because it was really good. Well, we'll have to listen to the podcast. (laughs) Somebody write that down. find out. I might steal that quote. Uh, I always like to end saying, like, to me, the definition of love is just this moment right now. It is. Yeah. Well, I love you, and I'm so glad you were here. I love you, too. And Chris, tell just tell the listeners, like, where can they find you on social media or uh, sure. uh, keep in touch with what you're doing? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Chris Salvatore and on Twitter at C Salvatore. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you.